All right, welcome back to another episode of Garner Station. I am Joe Stallings, uh, the Director of Economic Development here for the Town of Garner. And with me today, we have Nikki Leonard, the Department Head of Education from Wake Tech, and Cassandra Brooks, the owner-operator of Little Believers Academy. And today's episode is going to focus on the importance of early childhood education to economic development. So I welcome Nikki and Cassandra. Thank you for Thank being with you. us here today. Thank you for having, Thank you for having me. Out of the gate, let's define what is early childhood education. So early childhood education is really looking at um, the development of children between zero to five, zero to eight really is technically what it is. However, in our programs, we typically tend to focus on five and under. Um, and really what we're looking at is the different domains of development. So cognition, um, social emotional development, physical, um, gross motor, fine motor skills, uh, communication, language, um, and, and really helping these children to develop and understand and, and provide developmentally appropriate practices mm -hmm. um, for them to grow and learn, um, hopefully at their own pace, ideally. Um, and, you know, the programs that we have in North Carolina do differ, I think, um, from center to center. But when you are looking for that, that kind of program, you really want to take into consideration what is important to you and, and see what the programs have to offer. Absolutely. And Cassandra, why is early childhood education so important? Wow, early childhood is so important because it sets the foundation for learning. Um, for example, I don't know if you've heard when children get to uh, fifth grade and or the third grade reading levels and they are not able to read and that, you know, everybody's trying to pull back and see what happened, what happened. Well, most of the times that happens because the child didn't have a good foundation, meaning they didn't have a basis and a program to attend um, when they were zero to five. Um, learning doesn't start at eight years old or five years old. Learning starts at birth. And actually some studies even show that it starts in the womb uh, when the mom is still engaging and talking to her baby and reading to her baby at an early age. So early childhood is so is everything It's so important. Um, and as a business owner, on the flip side, um, I want to ensure that children have access to early education because I need employees as well. Every every industry right now has a shortage of employees. And when we put in and and put the emphasis on early childhood early. And when I say early at zero years old, offering that exceptional child care space and place and, and learning opportunity for the child, it, it just helps them evolve as they matriculate through school. And then they're able to hopefully one day become a quality citizen and worker sure. <laughs> that we need. And depending on, you know, every child is different and, and their likes and, and, you know, and, and then they'll be able to join the job that fits their, what they're looking for. The studies have shown too that the first 2000 days, the first mm -hmm. five years of a child's life is the most important in determining who that child is going to be as an adult more than any other time period of their life, that first five years. And so it's really important for us to get in there and, and set those practices in place, work with the families, work with the children and really um, get them to be competent citizens, like you yes. said, you know, mm -hmm. it's creating that community of learners right. and, and, and that hopefully instilling that love yes. of learning if you're doing yes. it right. That's right. Well, That's I know right. Um, whenever I was doing the research for this topic, one of the things that kind of got my attention is right now, like you said, Cassandra, everybody's looking for talent. Everybody needs that new staffer. Yes. But we're, you know, we created those staff, we created those employees 20 years ago or, yes. or, or longer than that. Right, right. And 
you know, the early childhood education programming in this country and, and here in North Carolina and Wake County has changed so much since, you know, 2000 or 1980, yes. certainly. Right. Um, how has how has things changed over time uh, in early childhood education, whether it be uh, from an educational perspective, you teach the programming, or even the actual practical impl you know, implementation of education? How has it changed since the 80s, 90s, and, and early 2000s? I think there's more of a recognition of um, that children do learn through play. And that that those that play and those experiences and those opportunities mm -hmm. um, will help the children to develop the other skills that they need. Um, so things like letters and numbers and and counting and and you know all of that stuff doesn't need to be the focus. You don't need to have the letter of the week or the you know sight words at that like early age. You want to have a print rich environment. You want to have a classroom that. Um, elicits children wanting to play in different areas and working and building on different skills. So, um, you know, going on their interest as well, I think we've seen that trend starting to happen more because again, when children are interested in a topic, they're going to pay attention to it. And so taking cues from them, um, I remember I had one um, teacher, she was a former student of mine, and she had gone on to get her bachelor's degree and she did a study and the kids really wanted to learn about dinosaurs, which is hard to do in a, in a real sense and really bring it into the classroom. However, she had that study going for five months with three-year-olds and they just kept building on it and talking about the different where you could find dinosaurs now, like, you know, where you would see them. And then what, what are the roles in the museum? Mm -hmm. Who works in the museum? And, and it just kept evolving. And she had a timeline bulletin board that showed the children working on different things mm -hmm. and how these ideas were developing. Right. Wow. It's, That's amazing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And on the implementation side, Cassandra, I mean, I, things have had to change in the classroom, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> since I've, um, been working in early childhood, one of the main things I've seen is um, North Carolina has really pushed the need for education. And um, many studies have shown that ch teachers with education um, behind them, they're able to um, do better in the classroom. The children, the outcomes are better in the classroom. So I have seen that there has been a bigger push um, for more teachers to have associate's degrees, bachelor's degrees, BK license. Um, some of the teachers that I have have a license, just like the teachers that work at public school. Um, I've had teachers with master's degrees like myself. So there has been a big push for education. Also, the state has supported education in the form of TEACH. Um, we offer TEACH scholarships to, to um, individuals who enter the early childhood workforce who want to go back to school and go to Wake Tech or JCC or some of the other community colleges in the area. So there has been a big push, I believe, for education. Um, and I think that that's great because I always I just told my staff, I just left the training. I said, once you have it behind, you know, you have your name on that degree it's yours forever. That never goes away. Um, you can leave this job and go to the next one, but you always have that degree and you'll be able to produce a better outcome for the next child. And so that is that is so important. One other thing I just wish from an economic standpoint, we could continue to push is for higher wages for the early childhood teachers, because we do want them to go to school and produce um, quality children, quality talent for the workforce but they also need to be able to be paid a, a quality living wage. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you, you know, you touched on that in terms of that, the education piece. So 
In North Carolina, you only need to pass EDU 119 mm -hmm. to get your credential to be qualified to be a lead teacher mm -hmm. in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you, Intro to Early Childhood Education is the class, and that is not enough to really truly be an effective leader. Right. So, um, you know, we do, we have certificate programs, we have degrees, and all of them work into each other. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, once they get that, that certificate, I can keep going. I can right. move on. Right. right. But right. we we have seen, and you've been a really big part of working with the legislature on on the raise of of these um, wages. Yes. And, and I yes. think it's really come to light since the pandemic mm -hmm. that childcare, and it's not daycare, it's childcare, mm -hmm. because we are taking care of children, mm -hmm. not days. Right. Um, and the need for these people these are essential workers Absolutely. we were not able yes. to get through that pandemic without them and they unfortunately now because they're not getting paid what they really should be they, they deserve sure. right people are going into other jobs they can That's make right. more working at target yes my neighbor right. makes 15 dollars an hour working yes. at target right why right. am i going to go and bust my butt you know and take care of other people's kids when Really, we're not paying them enough to take care of their own. That's right. Insurance, That's right. all of insurance, that for these yes, teachers. All of so, that. That's right. You know, unfortunately, right now, I think the pandemic has created more of an aware, mm -hmm. um, accepting, like, oh, this is really necessary, but it's also causing a huge shortage. I mean, I've seen entire centers shut down, right. and yes. eighty percent, mm -hmm. I think, of Wake County mm -hmm. right now is not. Um, they don't have the areas that they're in do right. not have enough child care right. options. I, yeah, saying, I agree. I, I pulled an article from uh, UC Berkeley that said uh, in the first six months of the pandemic, we lost 20% of all child care workers. Mm -hmm. And the, the real kind of aha moment in that is the greatest percentage of child care workers are female. Mm -hmm. And not only are they female, they're minority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing this real equity issue. Yes. Yes. And 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 you know, if you take out the actual importance of child care development mm -hmm. and, and and you just look at it from an equitable standpoint, it, it is a huge issue. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Um, and so I don't know if the silver bullet to that, right? But I think the more we can bring a, people's attention to this issue. Right. Uh, the better chance we have at, at making a, an impactful change. That's right. That's um, right. So if we can, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, maybe we know where we are today, right? We've got huge gaps in our employment. Right. These folks are doing incredible work every single day. I've got a young child. I can tell you what those folks do at his uh, uh, child care center yeah. is uh, amazing uh, because I couldn't do it. Right. And, right. um, but what is the future of that? You know, how do you go from losing 20% of the workforce? And more. Six, more every for six months. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah. More and and, and more you're not paying day. the prevailing wage. Right. So you're not going to be competitive right. on the money side. Right. 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 So how do you get people in the door to perform the work? Right. And you, you brought up a really great point because I was just left a staff training and you know, letting them know some of the changes that are coming about, you know, um, optional mask and, you know, these type of things. We don't have to pull children out of the classroom with their, well, we have to pull them out. They're positive, but we don't have to close the whole school, you know, all of these things. So um, parents can go back to work. And when I said that, I still saw on some of the faces still the nervousness of um, being in the classroom with potentially even more positive children and risking their health. Um, so, it is, it is really, and being that I've had teachers um, during this 
whole pandemic that, you know, they have contracted a virus and hold their whole families and all those things. Um, and so it's just really, you know, going to take a lot to try to pull in. And, I, and it's not also always exactly the money, but it's a combination, like Nikki said, it's the benefits, all of these things. We want these teachers to come and work with young children and, you know, do produce quality outcomes, yet they don't even have health insurance for the viruses that they contract in the classroom. They contract the viruses in the classroom. They contract pink eye. I've seen it. Oh, the, parent, the teacher has the pink eye. The children start off with pink eye. Now the teacher has pink <laughs> eye. Now the teacher has lice. Lord, she doesn't even make enough money to go get the lice treatment. You know, all of those things. Um, and as a business owner, you want to try to help your staff as much as possible. It is only so much that your pocketbook, if you will, your account can allow. And so Really, I think this is going to take um, all efforts. I do commend um, the um, federal government for trying to pull in um, the, the three and four year old, if you will, the um, program that will allow them to all children to have access universal. to yeah, the universal um, child care that would allow all children three and four years old to have access to child care. I think that's great, but it's also going to take in we're going to have to give these teacher um, benefits, um, increased salaries to pull some of these people back. The quality talent that we left to, um, that we lost to the targets and the other ones that are trying to come up and pay the $20 an hour or, and all of those things, we're going to have to pull that talent back. And the only way to do that is is essentially through a restructuring, a restructuring of, um, okay, you have access to provide, um, you have a the educational background to provide quality care to three and four year olds, well then you at this point have access to healthcare, you at this point have access to this quality wage and, and vice versa. It's gonna have to be a restructuring uh, because many a times we have, childhood care has been looked upon as a lower of the one of the public school teacher, yeah. yet many of them still have the same quality education, they have the same quality skill sets as a public school teacher, yet they want to work with a younger child and, yeah. and so, I think it's going to take a whole restructuring. And even though I appreciate the universal child care, like the studies have shown, it starts at an early age. I think as we continue, um, even as a state government, if we can continue to provide care for even the younger child, um, I think that we'll see even better outcomes. And it's just, I mean, it is, it's very hard. I, I think when you look back to, and you were talking about the 80s before, if you look back even prior to that, the people that were going into Childcare were mothers mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. were mm -hmm. now having an empty nest and they were relying on the skills that they had yeah. mm -hmm. as, as a parent, you know, and then we have really taken notice and, and transitioned more into, I think, mm -hmm. what we see today. But I do, I think that recruitment right now is where I'm focused mm -hmm. um, at Wake mm -hmm. on getting more students in that do want this and, mm -hmm. and reaching out to different programs. Mm -hmm. Um, NC Works, uh, I think it's their next program. Um, I've been talking with them. We're going to go out and we are presenting and I'm bringing one of my students out with me who is a role model. Mm -hmm. She is uh, a black female. She is older. She has worked her way through the program when she could and she is graduating. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this is a success story and this is somebody that younger minority females mostly um, that are in these lower socioeconomic groups that have gotten their GEDs that are capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. So let's foster that. And they are actually paying for these people to get their certificates. That's right. That's and great. so the certificates are five or six classes, depending on which one you go with. Mm -hmm. And it does, it gives you a greater foundation, not as much as the degree, 
but better than just the 119. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think education, you know, on both sides of it is going to be the, the critical factor in it. How do we prepare not only the child, but also the child care worker right. to ensure that the children are getting the best education they can. And I guess the other thing from, you know, during the pandemic is um, it, I think it showed a lot of us how important child care was. Yes. And I think it always was that way, right? right. The grant, right. I went to grandma's house. I didn't go to the daycare <laughs> center, but um, whenever people found themselves having to work from home, they also had to figure out how they going to provide child care. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. it brought to light how important this really right. is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked a little bit about what the future is and, and, and how things are going, but has, has there been anything that has been specifically successful? in early child care education um, that maybe is a, something, a role model or a model from around the nation that's really made an impactful change? I will say um, from a personal, more of a personal experience anyway, um, my husband works for Head Start in Wake County. He is a, uh, he just got promoted, so I don't know what his new title is, but he's a family service specialist sure. and he's supervising other family service specialists now. and. Uh, he has been home <laughs> probably about a year and a half of the last two years and um, working from home. And they were really trying to stay in touch with the families, even though the center was closed at different times. They would um, offer meal pickup. They would offer supply pickup days. And they would purchase these things for the families so the families could come and get food, could get the supplies so that they could do some activities with the kids through the week. The teachers were logging on. It was not an ideal situation and it was it was challenging, but they are coming back now. And um, I think any program that's been able to stay open. Yes, yes. <laughs> Like yes. you said that before. Yeah. And, and that I think, yeah, I agree. Just some of the things I think have been successful, like you said, just being able to stay open. Um, many businesses still, you know, they closed during the pandemic. Um, not only childcare industry, but many industries, they closed. And so still being able to um, be successful and um, stay open and provide quality care and have, you know, access to a workforce is so important, you know, right now. And so I think, you know, I was just telling my staff how thankful I am and thankful for each and every one of them that even during this, you know, we we were still able to break through and go against the grain and stay open when many centers closed. I think it was called this... Um, not sure the exact name, but it was where the um, you had a choice to stay open during mm -hmm. the period when you know mm -hmm. the gov um, when the yes. state was closed down, and so we stayed open to provide care for essential workers, and so we continued to just push through even during the Morcon virus. You know, just different things. We still continue to push through and provide care for the families as much as possible, and so I think that is one success. Also, we have the success of have, we have the North Carolina Pre K program at both of our. Um, um, centers and you know just being able to provide that quality care for their um, children has been um, beneficial to them some of the families I've seen have started to go back to work now and all of those things so I think that is you know that's great the children have somewhere to attend while the mom you know so the mom can work at that that point as well and also just you know similar to Head Start in my school we provide help to families you know when they were on quarantine you know reaching out to them seeing if they need help we sent Instacart we yeah. you know we've done things that you know, let them know. Yeah, let them know. Like you're our family too. We want to help you. We're all in this together. You know, we're all in this together. I think the biggest thing, though, too, and and this is maybe not as successful, but the you know the programs that have been able to stay open. Mm -hmm. You you commented on quality, mm -hmm. and 
there is a lack of quality in some centers, unfortunately, because of the shortage of workers. Sure. And so I had a neighbor of mine call me and she has a three-year-old who is, he's a very bright, articulate little boy, very high energy, um, and just such a wonderful imagination. She said, well, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to get kicked out again, mm -hmm. which first of all, I do not like hearing any mm -hmm. um, expulsions of, right. of children at that age. Right. Um, but his behavior, he had started kind of acting up or, or getting frustrated at school. Come to find out, he has not had the same teacher in his classroom for two months. Mm. No, different teachers every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of my other big concerns, I think, coming out of this is the social-emotional skill development. Mm -hmm. How, mm -hmm. when we're wearing masks, sure. are we able to mm -hmm. convey emotions to children? Right. I, I think about right. the toddler room that I used to go into. Yeah. And, yeah. It, I mean, you need to be able to see mm -hmm. expression. You need to be able to... Right. I agree. I have seen a lot of um, changes in children um, due to the pandemic. I've seen more children in foster care, um, different things that have uh, contributed to their social emotional health being off. And so it does make it very difficult in the classroom when, you know, they're not really truly able at that young age to express the trauma that they have incurred because they have been. Um, it is trauma. Yeah, it is trauma. Some of them have been abused and different things. And so um, they have now a foster family who's trying to care for them. And I never forget, it was just this past end of December and I had a young child. He was sweet as can be, five years old in my NC pre-K program and in foster care. And I think this was like his second family and um, his, his behavior due to the trauma uh, was so, they weren't able to control it even through uh, medication and through different help that he was having to be shipped to a third family. And imagine how that um, impacts a young child, sure. you know, and it's my center. We did all we could, you know, to try to help the child. And then, you know, but at that point, the foster family did not want that child and they felt like they could not do anything else for them. They had to send them to another family. And so I still try to keep in touch with the um, CPS worker, you know, just you know, I bought some little stuff for the little child, for the student and child. And. But it's, it is, I agree, it is hard for the children, um, hard for the families, and it is difficult for the teachers as well. And it is hard for a child because I've had to pull out different teachers as well to meet COVID exposure. You can't have, they can't, they can't become if they were exposed and then vaccinated. So many different rules that came along with that. Um, if they became positive, of course, they can't, you know, come to school. So then you have to pull in a substitute. So it, sometimes it does change out. And just like in any other industry right now, um, the reason uh, businesses are having a hard time because they're having to pull out workers for positive or this and that, you know, so it's hard to truly do business the way we used to. Sure. And so, go back to that. right. So, you know, learning, I had to learn, you know, to tell myself not be troubled, you know, yeah. be unbothered. You still got to keep pushing, do your best because you can't control all of these things. You can't control if they become positive. You can't control things that happen outside of, you could just control this environment that you have here and try to put the best things in, in place Absolutely. to provide that care. And so, I, I will say too, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, please. I was just going to say that um, I do think, though, in terms of kind of shifting this back to the economic piece of it, I think that we are going to see long-lasting mm -hmm. um, repercussions, I guess, mm -hmm. or, or um, 
some difficulties in the future because of these years and the impact that it's had on all of the kids, regardless of early childhood or my teenagers, you know, and, you know, we've seen a huge rise in mental health and, and illness and, and really, and I think that that is a positive, like it is putting a spin on it in terms right. of like, it's okay to get that help. Yeah. You know, yeah, but sure. we don't think about it with little ones Mm-mm. that they are struggling just as much. Mm-hmm. And this gap for those of them that have been experiencing that gap or not had the quality, mm-hmm. I think we are going to see it in the years to come in yeah. terms of schooling, in yeah. terms of jobs, in terms mm-hmm. of work ethic, right. like all of that stuff. Yeah, gets I agree. Unless we can continue, you know, and I appreciate this podcast, you know, being able to put all hands on deck to try to help these issues. Mm-hmm. We know that it's going to potentially be an issue. So what can we do to try to, re, you know, rebound or, you know, ensure that it's not such a big you know, hurt to the economy and hurt to the talent. You know, I do, when I think about it, it's just not the state and federal government trying to come in to help childcare. We need businesses um, to try to push in and help as well. We have a quality Amazon plant right around the corner here. I mean, they need lots of workers as well. You know, I would love to see them come in and push them, push into the early childhood. You know, some of the other larger businesses that we have in the area, I would love to see them come in and put, um, some more, even their resources to help childcare. I mean, they um, they have access to even more resources than we do, um, and just just everybody pushing in, and that's how we're gonna come out of this thing even better. Everybody, yeah. state government, the federal government, childcare owners and directors, teachers, um, small and local businesses, everybody coming together so we can push up a plan that's gonna support the child that will in turn push out to help us have quality workers on the end. So. And I think too the programs that mm-hmm. that the childcare programs promoting the options. You know, mm-hmm. I I have people that will call me and say I have ten workers that need to, and I can create a cohort mm-hmm. if I have enough people yeah. to make a class. I can create a cohort just for their workers sure. to take a class or to take the certificate That's program. Right. And um, I think that on the education standpoint, we are um, as a community college system mm-hmm. have had a lot of talks and you're going to see a lot more of the fast track classes, the eight week classes versus the 16 week, because when we do the eight week, yes, you're doing twice the work and half the time, but they can go through and get those certificates in a quicker Mm -hmm. manner and therefore get higher pay and be better qualified. And so we saw a need for that. So that's, you know, more of an intent when I'm creating schedules. Now. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now I think today's conversation really gets back to the uh, the old cliche, right? It takes a community, mm-hmm. and certainly right. whether it's on you know the practical side, or on the education side, private business, uh, you know, a customer of uh, daycare, uh, childcare centers, it it's going to take us all to get back. And I'll you know just wrap up by saying a few things. Is pulling statistics on it, we know that good solid early childhood education. Uh, has a significant you know, impact on that child's life going forward. And here, here's just a few things, right? Children that are engaged in those programs uh, are 46% less likely to be incarcerated. Uh, they're 33% to be less likely to be involved in violent crimes and 26% less likely to be uh, a recipient of government assistance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we know that if you get them early That's and you right. set that foundation like you talked about, Cassandra, that it really launches them off into a great path forward. So I just want to thank you both for being here today. I know this is, you know, something near and dear to my heart. I'm living it every day. And I hope through this podcast 
that the people that listen to it will understand just what's at stake. Because if we don't get it right, yeah. it may not hurt us today, but it will down the road. Absolutely. So thank you both for being here. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of Garner Station.